Hello friends, my name is Krista McLean. I'm the Family Ministries Pastor here at Next Level and we are so thankful that you are joining us. We hope that you had a wonderful Thanksgiving with your friends and family and we know that now the holiday rush has officially started. And if I had to guess, everyone watching has been asked at least once, if not numerous times, what do you want for Christmas? And it's not uncommon to be asked that question. It's very common. But what is uncommon is what children ask for at times. Have your kids ever asked for anything really strange? Over the years, my kids have asked for additional siblings and food that they did not have to share. And so I did a quick search and made a list of some surprising requests that children have asked Santa for at Christmas. There was the three-year-old who really wanted an invisible puppy for Christmas. The four-year-old who asked for a Costco-sized ketchup bottle to use for all of his meals. The 10-year-old who asked for a butler. The five-year-old who wanted all 101 Dalmatians. The 15-year-old who asked for his own personal pound of bacon. The eight-year-old who asked for concrete and chicken wire. The seven-year-old who wanted a mouse and her sister who wanted a snake. The four-year-old who asked for her rights back. And finally, the three-year-old who asked for purple. Every year at Christmas, kids and adults alike make their list. And some ask for Barbies, while others ask for fire trucks or Lego sets. And some ask for big things like cars or expensive jewelry. And others ask for just the basic necessities of life. And when you love someone, you want to make sure that you get them exactly what they want. And ideally, you want to see the look of joy when they open their gift. But that does not always happen. And that's why stores do a huge business after Christmas from people bringing back all those well-intentioned gifts that weren't quite perfect. We've all seen those ads that say, what do you give the man that has everything? And usually the answer is some exotic thing like cologne made from poison ivy or something. And we probably all know at least one person who has everything you can think of. And if they don't have it, you couldn't afford to buy it anyway. So you scratch your head and you wonder, what could I give him or her this year? And it's sad, really. We work so hard to find just the right gift, and then it doesn't fit, or it isn't the right color, or it was broken in the box, or they already had one, or worst of all, it isn't what they really wanted. And that's the worst. To give someone a gift they don't really want. Nothing makes you feel worse. And drop by drop, all the joy drains out of Christmas. There was a mother who was sick and tired of hearing her children always telling her what they wanted to get from Santa. So on one such occasion, she reminded them of the real meaning of Christmas. Christmas is a time of giving and not receiving. The children could tell that mom really believed what sounded like absolute nonsense to them. So they secretly met and tried to figure out what was going through their mother's head. They finally came to a conclusion as to what must be done. So they went to her in a very concerned manner. The oldest child acted as the spokesperson. Mom, we've been thinking about what you told us about how important it is to give at Christmas. With all of our talk about Santa, you must have felt left out. So we don't want you to feel that way, Mom. And so I'll tell you what we've decided to do. Santa doesn't have to get us all the presents. If you want to get us some too, we're going to let you. So I want to ask you today, has Christmas lost its meaning for you? Do your Christmas traditions leave you feeling empty? Do you dread the holiday season? And are you worried that you're just not prepared? 
So today I want us to rethink our Christmas traditions and consider a different way of looking at the season. Why do we give? Typically, there are three types of gifts that we give at Christmas. We give the a gift for a gift gift. And there, these are the gifts that are most often given at Christmas time. We give people who give to us. And we try to keep track of how much we spend on our gifts. And we try to estimate how much the other person spent on their gift to us. And if we think that they spent more, we have to try to balance it out. Or at least try to make things equal. Or we may have to go to the store to buy something more to equal out the gift. Or we may just make a note and buy something more expensive next year. And we feel awful if we haven't spent more or as much as the other person spent. And this keeps the cash registers of America singing each and every year. And that's the gift for a gift. Gift. Then there's the, a gift for a favor gift. These are a little less common than the first one. But they're out there just the same. We buy people gifts who have done us a favor. Someone did something nice for us recently, so we feel like we have to pay them back. Because we have trouble running a deficit when it comes to giving. We don't want to be the one who had something done for them without attempting to pay the person back. And by the way, that usually cheapens the favor that was done for you. The person will not feel near as good about doing what they did when you try to pay them back by buying a gift. But we do it all the same. Fred did something really nice for me this year, so I guess I'll buy him a Christmas present. And that's the gift for a favor gift. And then there's the a gift for an obligation gift. I can't tell you how much I dislike these gifts. It's a yearly obligation to buy for certain people, and I can't tell you how many miserable hours I have spent in malls trying to figure out what in the world to buy for this person or that person. We're going to have a family gathering, and I've got to get something for that person, but I have no idea what to get. Last year, I got him a can opener. This year, I could get him a robe. Maybe I could get him a fruitcake. But retail stores prepare for these type of gifts. Did you know this? They set up tables out in the middle of the aisles just for these obligation gifts. You've seen them. You know exactly what I'm talking about. They usually have one for kids and teens. It has bracelet kits and craft sets and inexpensive jewelry and journals and games on them. Then there's one for women with stuff that women like, like kitchen gadgets or perfume or spa items. Then they have another table just for men with ties and desk games, crazy socks, and the cheapest quality tools that you will find anywhere. Can you tell how much I dislike the obligation gift? But that's the gift for an obligation gift. Then there's a much better gift that I call a grace gift. Now I know what you're thinking. That's what I'm going to talk to you about today. You're thinking, like, what in the world is a grace gift? But this is what I call a gift that's worth giving. I want to tell you that, first of all, I am not telling you to reject the idea of giving any gifts at Christmas because I love to give gifts. But I'm going to ask you to rethink the ways that you give because I believe the reasons that I just listed for giving are destroying the real meaning of Christmas. And so I'm suggesting that we go back to where it all started with the wise men. And I'm going to read today from Matthew 2, 1 through 11, and together I want us to consider the wise men and look at four ways to give that will help us regain the true joy of Christmas. So the first way to give oh, is to give sacrificially. Matthew 2, 1 through 8 says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. 
About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. And then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. And then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. The wise men sacrificed greatly to give to Jesus. The wise men left everything and traveled far to give to Jesus. They had no idea where they were going. They were following a star. And you know what a sacrifice it had to be for those men to stop and actually ask for directions. But there was no question. They sacrificed a lot to give to Jesus. And that's what a grace gift is. A grace gift is freely and sacrificially given. We have sacrificed in order to give it. And it's not a gift out of obligation, but a gift of sacrifice. And it has some heart and soul in it. A woman missionary who serves as a teacher in, South, in the South Pacific Islands was explaining to a group of tribal children about the love of God at Christmas. And later that week on Christmas Day, a young native boy came to the missionary and said in simple English, I love you, I want you to have this. And he pulled out from a straw basket the most beautiful shell the missionary had ever seen. And as she admired its beauty, she recognized it as a shell that could only be found on the other side of the island, half a day's walk from the village. Wow, this is really lovely, the teacher said, but you should not have gone all that way to get a gift for me. And his eyes brightened, and the little boy answered, long walk, part of the gift. What can you give this year that represents sacrifice on your part? What can you give that requires you to put heart and soul into it? Are you planning to give something that costs you anything? And I'm not talking about financially, but sacrificially in other ways. A sacrifice of time, a sacrifice of effort to get it or to give it, a sacrifice of effort to make it, a gift that is part of you, a gift that has some of your heart and soul in it. Or how about this? Husbands, what if your wife opens a huge package from you that has a tiny little piece of paper in it that says, Honey, because I love you so much, I'm going to do all the laundry or clean all the bathrooms for you during the month of January. Wives, what if your husband's opened his package and you've written a letter to him telling him how much he really means to you? Why you're glad you chose him to be your husband and why you're so proud of what he's done for your family. Students, what if your mom or dad or sibling opened a gift from you that stated you were taking over one of their chores for an extended period of time? Or what about promising to wash your neighbor's car every month? That sounds better than a can opener or a tie. What can you give that requires you to put some heart and soul into it? What can you give this year that represents sacrifice on your part? The second way to give is to give personally. Matthew 2, 9 says, After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. And it went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. The wise men did not ship their gifts via FedEx. They delivered them personally. 
They thought it was important that they show up and give personally. They understood that the gift meant so much more when it was given in person. And that's what a grace gift is. A grace gift is given personally. It includes yourself, the person. It's a gift of your presence. A grace gift is not an impersonal box. It's a gift of togetherness. It's a gift that recognizes the importance of relationships. A grace gift displays love, something that can't be done by just a simple mailed package. Have you ever felt the pressure of finding the perfect gift for someone you love? Maybe you spent hours browsing online shops and reading reviews and comparing prices and still could not decide what to buy. Or maybe you settled for something generic, like a gift card or a mug, and felt guilty for not being creative or thoughtful. Many people struggle with gift giving, especially during the holidays, when there are so many expectations and obligations. But what if I told you there's a gift that's more valuable than anything you can buy in a store? A gift that's always appreciated, never goes out of style, and doesn't cost a dime. It can make someone's day. It can lift their spirits. It can strengthen a bond. A gift that's simple yet powerful. And the gift is your presence. Your presence means more than any present because it shows that you care. It shows that you're willing to spend your time and attention on someone else rather than yourself. It shows that you're interested in their life, their feelings, their thoughts, their dreams. And it shows that you're there to support them, to listen to them, to laugh with them, to comfort them. And it shows that you value them as a person, not just as a recipient of your generosity. Your presence means more than any present because it creates memories. Memories that are more lasting and meaningful than any material object. Memories that can be cherished and revisited over and over again. Memories that make you smile or cry or laugh out loud. Memories that inspire you, motivate you, challenge you. Memories that can shape your identity, shapes your relationships, and your worldview. Your presence means more than any present because it's a gift of love. And it's the best gift you can ever give. So what can you give this year that's personal? How can you give of yourself? How can you spend some time with someone as a gift? Is there a widow in your neighborhood who would just love to have someone spend a couple of hours with her on Christmas Day? Do you realize what a gift of personal presence can do for someone? How about this? Wives, what if your husband opens a package that has a note that says, Honey, because I love you so much, I want to get up every Monday morning and fix you breakfast and pray out loud. For you and your activities in the coming week so that you can get your week off to a fabulous start. Husbands, what if your wife opens a package with a note that says, Honey, because I love you so much, I want to give myself to you. I promise to set aside one whole day each month in the coming year just for you and whatever you would like for us to do together. Twelve days in the coming year just for us. Parents, what about giving a gift to your children of spending one Saturday a month with your child doing whatever they want to do for the day? Students, how about writing a letter to a friend, a teacher, a small group leader, a parent, a coach, to tell them how much they've impacted you or made a difference in your life? Sharing words like that can mean the world to people. Or perhaps you give a gift to a person in a nursing home that you will promise to spend an hour with them once a month for the coming year. Spending time with someone is the personal gift of grace. How can you give of yourself this year by spending time with someone? The third way to give is to give joyously. 
Matthew 2.10 says, When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. The wise men were overjoyed when they saw the star. They were thrilled to find baby Jesus. They were overjoyed to be able to find a child and present their gifts to him. That's what a grace gift is. A grace gift is a gift of joy. It's a gift that brings tremendous joy to the giver and to the receiver. A grace gift causes the giver and the receiver to be overjoyed. Father John was a young, handsome, and filled with desire to change the world pastor at a new parish. And everyone was surprised by his energy, and he seemed to love life and every challenge that it brought. Bridget's parents felt that it was their duty to make him an integral part of the community. And so Father John often attended their private family functions and shared meals with them every single week. All nine of Bridget's brothers and sisters liked Father John because he seemed to enjoy hanging out with them as well. Father John had not been out of seminary long, and he came from a large family of about 12 kids himself. So he recognized the sibling struggle for some sort of individuality. And he spent time getting to know each one of them. Not just obvious things like favorite sports or subjects, but also things that they didn't feel like they could share with anyone else, like fears and insecurities. And on Christmas Eve, Father John drove up in his rusty old pinto, and he began to unload ten large wrapped packages. And each one was carried inside and placed under the tree. The children were perplexed because the packages were light as air, and each one shook with just a slightly different cadence. Father John just laughed before he left as quickly as he had arrived, and the children's speculation continued for hours. The next morning, the children raced down the stairs right past gifts from Santa to open the mysterious gifts from Father John. And inside each package were three giant boxes of our favorite cereal, all labeled in black marker with our names, and if you must understand, Bridget and her siblings lived in a strictly Cheerios and Rice Krispies house, and they were the knockoff brands at that. So this gift was a true treasure. It took a moment before they realized that the selections were not random. They were the single favorite cereal of each recipient. How could he have known? Father John had enlisted the help of the oldest brother. He had him as an accomplice, and he had him pretend to do a survey of favorite cereals weeks before so that he could surprise them on Christmas morning. The gift was perfect, and it brought great joy to each child. And although it would mean nothing to anyone else, to those kids it meant that they were special and deserved a unique gift. And it's what anyone would want in a gift. So what can you give that would cause you to be overjoyed? When was the last time you gave a gift that caused you to be filled with joy? When was the last time you were able to give a gift that brought a tear to your eye or to the eye of the receiver? Those kinds of gifts take some thinking and some sacrifice. But isn't that what Christmas giving should be about? After all, why do we give gifts in the first place? The wise men started it all. They were filled with joy at the privilege of giving. Has your gift giving just become routine or tradition that's lost its meaning? Has it lost its joy? What can you give that will cause you to be overjoyed? And the fourth way to give is to give worshipfully. Matthew 2.11 says, They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The wise men gave worshipfully. 
they bowed down and worshiped the Christ the Lord. And when they had worshiped him, they opened the gifts and presented them to Jesus. And that's what a grace gift is. It's a gift of worship. After all, why do we give? We're giving to others because Jesus has given to us. Jesus has given us grace. So how can we give a portion of that grace back to others? You see, in giving grace to others, we are worshiping. For many people, family time around the holidays is not a source of peace. But instead, it comes with a lot of anxiety, anger, hurt, and pain. And that may be your reality. Maybe you don't have a relationship with your parents. Maybe you, your siblings have hurt you. Maybe your children are wayward. And the thought of spending time with family at Christmas is the exact opposite of exciting. So what do you do? I want to offer you a tip that's both easy and hard, simple and complex. It's this, give more grace. Yes, give your family more grace. And I get it, it's hard, but many times the right things are. Many of us are content to live in a state of anger due to family conflict. And conflict that may have started 5 or 10 or 20 years ago, but we don't realize what it's doing to us on the inside. And too many times we hold on to family strife without realizing that the more we hold on to it, the more we let it steep into our souls. And we're actually the ones that are affected the most. Because holding on to anger is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. When that happens, we find ourselves shirking away from the thought of being with those we love because of conflict. And we're called to release it. We're called to give it grace. And while that's hard, it's necessary, especially this holiday season. Why? Because one of the best reasons to give grace this Christmas is because that's one, what the season is all about. It's what God did for us. In the end, God gave us a gift that we didn't deserve. He gave us a gift after we wronged him. He gave us a gift that cost him everything and us nothing. And in his grace, he gave us Jesus. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. And listen, I can't guarantee that your display of grace won't be met with hostility. I can't guarantee that it will repair every broken bridge. I can't guarantee that everything will be fine and end up like all the Hallmark movies do at the end. But I can guarantee you that if you give more grace this Christmas, something beautiful will happen inside of you. You will become a more peaceful person. You will focus on what really matters, and you may actually start healing. So how can you give worshipfully this year? Here's a question to consider. Do you pray about what you will give, or do you just go to the mall and start wondering? Husbands, do you ask God how you can give part of his grace to your wife? Wives, do you ask God how you can share his grace with your husband? Parents, do you ask God how you can show grace to your children? Students, do you ask God how you show grace to your friends? Do you ask God how you can share his grace with people who are lonely, with relatives, with non-believers, or with co-workers? Are you giving out of obligation, or are you giving because God has laid it on your heart to give? Are you just giving because you're expected to give? Are you giving un- or are you giving unexpected gifts? Give prayerfully. Give out of a sense of thankfulness for what God has done for you. 
2 Corinthians 9, 13 through 15 says, As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God, for your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. Thank God for this gift, too wonderful for words. Christmas, you see, is far more than just pretty presents under a tree. Christmas is a celebration of love and joy and peace. And these are the greatest gifts that we can ever receive. And they're the greatest gifts that we can ever give. But they are often the most difficult ones to give, especially when we haven't received them from others. We dig in our heels. We decide that we will offer forgiveness, but only if they make the first phone call. We will show love, but only after they sacrifice something. And we may respond in goodness, but only after they start showing some kindness to us first. And suddenly we fall into the same foolish trap, believing that it is better to receive than to give. But the gifts of Christmas should not be kept to ourselves. They can only be experienced when given away. So who do you need to give grace gifts to this Christmas? And you may object, but I'm going to buy them something really expensive. I want you to rethink that. Try giving someone a hug. Try playing ball with your children. Try taking your spouse on a date and telling him or her that you love them. Try writing that letter that you need to write. Try telling someone what they mean to you. Try surprising someone with a bouquet of flowers. God has given you abundantly of his grace. Don't keep it to yourself. It is a gift worth giving. I want to close with a final story. It was originally printed in December, uh, in the December 14th, 1982 issue of Women's Day entitled For the Man Who Hated Christmas, and it was submitted by Nancy W. Gavin. I've always known it to be called the white envelope story, and I apologize in advance because I cry almost every time that I read it. It was just a small white envelope stuck among the branches of our Christmas tree, no name, no identification, no inscription but it has peeked through the branches of our tree for the past 10 years or so. It all began because my husband, Mike, hated Christmas. Well, not the true meaning of Christmas, but the commercial aspects of it, the overspending, the frantic running around at the last minute to get a tie for Uncle Harry or dusting powder for Grandma, and the gifts given in desperation because you couldn't think of anything else. And knowing he felt this way, I decided one year to bypass the usual shirts and sweaters and ties and so forth, and I reached for something special just for Mike. The inspiration came in an unusual way. Our son Kevin, who was 12 that year, was wrestling at the junior level at the school that he attended. And shortly before Christmas, there was a non-league match against a team sponsored by an inner-city church. The youngsters were dressed in sneakers so ragged that the shoestrings seemed to be the only thing holding them together. And they presented a sharp contrast to our boys in their spiffy, blue and gold uniforms and sparkling new wrestling shoes. As the match began, I was alarmed to see that the other team was wrestling without headgear, the kind of light helmet designed just to protect the wrestlers' ears. It was a luxury that the ragtag team obviously could not afford. We ended up walloping them. We took every weight class, and as each of their boys got up from the mat, he swaggered around in his tatters with false bravado, a kind of street pride that couldn't acknowledge defeat. Mike, seated beside me, shook his head sadly. I wish just one of them could have won, he said. 
They have a lot of potential, but losing like this could take the heart right out of them. Mike loved kids, all kids, and he knew them, having coached Little League football and baseball and lacrosse. And that's when the idea for his present came. That afternoon, I went to a local sporting goods store and I bought an assortment of wrestling headgear and shoes and I sent them anonymously to the inner city church. And on Christmas Eve, I placed an envelope on the tree and the note inside telling Mike what I had done and that this was his Christmas gift from me. His smile was the brightest thing about Christmas that year and in the succeeding years. For each Christmas, I followed the tradition, one year sending a group of mentally handicapped youngsters to a hockey game and another year a check to a pair of elderly brothers whose home had burned to the ground a week before Christmas and on and on. And the envelope became the highlight of our Christmas. It was always the last thing on Christmas morning and our children ignored their new toys, would stand with wide-eyed anticipation as their dad lifted the envelope from the tree to reveal its contents. And as the children grew, the toys gave way to more practical gifts, but the envelope never lost its allure. But the story doesn't end there. You see, we lost Mike last year due to dreaded cancer. And when Christmas rolled around, I was still so wrapped up in grief that I barely got the tree up. But Christmas Eve found me placing an envelope on the tree. And in the morning, it was joined by three more. Each of our children, unbeknownst to the others, have placed an envelope on the tree for their dad. The tradition has grown and someday will expand even further with our grandchildren standing around the tree with wide-eyed anticipation, watching as their fathers take down the envelopes. Mike's spirit and the spirit of Christmas will always be with us. Friends, this Christmas can be different. The joy of the season can return. You can start a tradition of grace in your Christmas giving this year. We have all received God's grace, but not to keep it for ourselves, but to give it away. Isn't that a gift worth giving? Isn't that what Christmas is all about? Let's pray. Jesus, we have come to you today thanking you for the grace that you have given us. As we are entering this busy season and often hectic holiday season full of demands, Help us be willing to give sacrificially. Help us show us how to give personally to those around us and fill our hearts with the joy of the season and help us to freely give the gift of grace to those around us. In your name we pray, amen. Well, friends, thanks so much for joining us today. If you like this video or it meant anything to you, please like and subscribe to our channel and maybe share it with a friend so that others who are just like you can maybe benefit from what we've shared today. And if you want to support the ministry of Next Level Church, please go to our website at nextlevelchurch.org and hit that green give button and you can help us raise the reputation of Jesus where we live, work, and play. And as you go out into the world this holiday season, remember that God gave us so much grace but we're to give it away because it's a great, a gift worth giving.